0: I must have had uh, maybe it was the early ride across America, um, so I had that notion of you know female athletes, and there were other athletes, but and I think I just sometimes you you can't wait until you believe something's possible. You just have to start, and belief will follow.
1: Good morning. How are you today?
0: Morning, Mel. Good morning, Cynthia. I'm good. good morning. A little rainy here, a little chilly, mm. but it's still cycling weather. Oh. Yeah, still cycling. And where,
1: whereabouts are you located?
0: I'm in Guelph, Ontario, and that's about 100 kilometers outside of Toronto for people mm. who need oh. a reference point.
2: Yeah, that's me. <laughs> you Canadians, I don't I? <laughs>
0: i know very little about that's like Canada. every
2: time cynthia speaks in
1: a mile i'm like sorry can't compute can you tell me what <laughs> what you're actually saying um no i actually one of my best friends grew up in guelph so i'm very familiar with uh where the area is well we're so happy to finally have you on this has been quite some time in the making but um for folks who don't know you i'd love if you could just give like a quick intro your name um age, if you feel that's appropriate. <laughs> and, and, and then, yeah, just a little bit more about you.
0: Sure. Um, uh, as you said, my name's Robin Todd, and I'm 58, soon to be 59. And I don't mind sharing that. In fact, I love sharing that because I don't feel 58 or 59. I think age is really a funny construct. I'm a retired high school teacher. I taught English and creative writing for 30 years uh the last 20 years in Guelph and I've been bike packing since the 1980s. Wow, um, that is so
2: cool. I don't
0: even want to know if you two were born when you were born. <laughs> I'm afraid it was after I started cycling, but I yes. don't <laughs> <laughs> And we didn't even use that term bike packing. I'm mm. I'm not sure when it got traction, but mm. uh, bike touring was touring. probably the term we used mm-hmm. then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean selfishly the reason I wanted to have you on is I want to be like you when I grow up. Oh, um, and there are not enough stories told of, you know, individuals later in life which I hesitate to say that but like, you know, 50 plus and then let alone women. Uh so really excited to just have you here to share your stories because uh they're real and they're amazing. So and then we can learn something for you know as we continue to ride bikes because you've been doing it for so long. So you've been riding since eighties, you said? So 80s. how did you even find cycling in the first place?
0: Um I I mean I cycled as a uh in high school. And in the eighties, I can remember when I was in high school, there was, and I don't know if this show's still on, it was ABC Wide World of Sports. I think it was on every Sunday. And in 19, I believe it was 1982, they televised the race across America.
1: Whoa. I think it was the first time.
0: And I was fixated. Uh, Lon Haldeman and his wife, Susan Notterangelo, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, uh, both cycled. The big goal was to get across America in less than 10 days. At one point, that was the big. And I just, I was just amazed by the journey, um, it was terrifying in some ways, the story of um, <laughs> one man was so tired, he was hallucinating and he was mm. moving as slowly as possible. Mm. And of course, a lot of the people had issues with their necks, being yeah. <laughs> having to be taped up and as Cynthia calls it, it
2: Sherman's neck. It's Sherman's oh. neck. I know I I am finally <laughs> pronouncing it correctly. Thank you, Mel. <laughs>
0: and and that was that was named after one of the cyclists, I think, who had it wow. originally. Oh, right? interesting. I think I believe no so. Way. I think so. Mm. Yeah. So, it's not that I wanted to race it, but the sense of I think just taking on such a vast distance so that was in the back of my head. Um, in high school, I started long-distance running, and that was really um, our basketball coach after grade 12 encouraged us to run a mile a day to train for the fall. And uh, I so I started running a mile, and then two miles, and then three miles. So it's obviously just a part of my personality. Mm-hmm. I loved going out further and further. My best friend at the time told me I was the most boring person on the face of the <laughs> earth because all, all I talked about was how far I had run. So um, fast forward, Queen's University first year, and I got injured and couldn't run anymore. And when I went to, uh, that summer, I went to work in Lake Louise to waitress. And a lot of the waiters had bikes. And one of the waiters would go off in his two-day, um, Breaks and he would go on these bike trips and that just fascinated me. So I got a bike in Banff and then as I made money, I would, I got panniers and I got my packs and a little tent and a sleeping bag. And then I just started doing overnight trips, uh, mostly around the area to, to stay at hostels. And again, it was the same sort of um, uh, joy of going a little bit further each time. And there were a couple of waiters who talked endlessly about doing the ride from Lake Louise to Jasper, which was pretty epic. I think it was about 235k. And I got so sick of them talking about it. They never did do it, of course. And I thought, (laughs) I'm I'm just going to do it. And so I had a friend, I did, I rode, um, I had a friend pick me up at the end. And it was in the summer. So, you know, you had daylight till 10 or 11 at night. Wow. Yeah. And it, it's, you both understand it. I'm not sure how to explain it to people who aren't interested, but just that being self sufficient on the road and having everything you need. Um, I, I just have always loved that feeling. It's so but freeing it's a, and rewarding. It's, it's free, it, it is. And it's, it can take, obviously, you can go so much further than when you're running,
2: mm-hmm. you can yeah. see
0: so much more. And I don't think I have a nomadic personality at all, but it's, it's that idea of a journey and you have what you need. and
1: Yeah, there's something to be said about the
0: simplicity
1: of being on the road and just it's a very simple formula compared to your everyday life. And also you just like, I feel so powerful when I go on those trips and like, wait, this was all me. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have you, yes. know, you have an, you have an immense support network around you in your life, but but you're the one pushing the bike. You're the one carrying all the things. You're the one planning and making the decisions, which is which is
0: really cool. And it's simple. It's not. I always say to people, it's not easy, maybe, but there, it, as you say, there's a real simplicity to it.
2: Yeah. Once you get on the bike, you're all you have to do is just get from A to B. And you may not know what B is, which is even more fun because you're like, well, just going to keep going along this path until I get to where I want to stop, which is also freeing in itself, not having an agenda, but having a rough plan
0: is nice. Mm. And I think um, when you're afraid, and I've certainly been anxious and afraid on occasion, I go back to that feeling or that idea. All I have to do is pedal. And, and break occasionally, but it, you know, it's not, it's not complicated.
2: But you end up on this wonderful journey, you know, it's like, so it's so beautiful. When was your first really long journey? Obviously that, that one that you said to Jasper was 235 K, but right. when was the first um, like quote unquote long one? I It could be longer than that, or it could be that distance one.
0: Right. Um, I think I was, it was my first summer out there still. And I was, I think I was 18. No, I was 19 by then. And, um, so I, I loved the idea of, I don't, I honestly don't know where it came from, but I just wanted something big. And so I decided I was (laughs) going to ride, ride home to Ontario. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Cool. So I got on the phone, I called my parents and I, I told my mom and there was this pause and then my dad got <laughs> on the phone and he said, Your mother's crying in the bedroom. She's so distraught. So I realized, you know, I couldn't I couldn't do it at that time. But I did say, you have to prepare yourself because I am going to do this. So the next summer I did a a week long trip through Okanagan when because I, I worked at Lake Louise for several summers. And I think it was the next summer that I I um decided to ride i had planned it all out in the winter so i rode from lake louise to guelph which is 4000k so miles yeah, miles is that what 25ish 2500
2: yeah uh, something just like under that. that yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: Wow. So and
1: there would be that's- quite a bit of elevation getting out of the rockies would there not
0: mhm it not as um not as as much as if you're coming from BC, of course. And then big hills around Lake Superior. So I had a. It was 1988. Um, were either of you even born?
1: No. no. Okay. I'm I'm 96. Oh,
0: so Mel. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm
2: I'm 92.
0: God God bless you. Um, I had a touring bike. I think it was a Kuwahara. And I had front panniers, back panniers. Mm-hmm. Um I can't imagine. I would never weighed the bike. I never weigh mine oh, now. God. I never. mean no, people never, always never ask, right? Yeah. They always why? ask. It's the why front. do you need I to don't know. know why? I don't
2: wanna tell you because
0: I, I don't want yeah, to know. <laughs> because
1: there's nothing worse than going up a climb being like, Oh, I could've left that ten gram thing mm. at home. And it's like, no, just pack what you need. Who cares what your bike weighs? I mean Exactly. Some some people like to be scientific
0: about it, but you're speaking to the right people yeah. that
1: we will not wear. Never. We wear bikes. <laughs> Never. And
0: honestly, I'll, I'll have to laugh at myself because sometimes I'll have, I, I mean, this past trip, I think, I broke a toothbrush in half, right? I take half a toothbrush. And then what <laughs> have you got on your bike in water or snacks? I mean, it's just, I have to laugh at myself on that one. Funny. There's so.
1: funny little things that we all do. And- we're such, I mean, it's so hypocritical of us, right? I don't weigh my bike, and yet we're all breaking our toothbrushes. Now, so we're still
2: thinking about it.
0: And I did end up buying a full toothbrush when I realized I couldn't even brush my teeth. Like, I could barely hang on to this. Yeah, little- you're
2: like the little thing. You're like, ah, I keep yeah. punching myself. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that was 1988. And that, um, so I planned the whole route out on a paper map because that's all I had. And the paper maps had paper maps have little green triangles where there are campsites, oh. and so that's how I planned the route. And it was funny; I had a friend at the time, and he was a big mountaineer, and and he guided trips. And he thought I was being quite obsessive planning the whole route. And the first day, I made it further than I'd planned, and of course, after that, it was a wash right? because <laughs> none of my stops applied. So. That was a good lesson in not over-planning, you know. I mean, Mm -hmm. it really depends on the situation. Um,
1: Yeah, so it's so hard to, I mean, the most recent trip I did, I had a very, like, planned because I wasn't camping. I was going to hotels. And the first, like, the first day was the only day I stuck to the plan. Every other day was just actually... There was another day I stuck to the plan, but basically like my advice would be, I personally can't pre-plan too much. You got to be a little bit fluid
2: because things just happen on the road. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Your body, things with your body happen, things with the restaurant or hotel you're going to stay at being closed. Weather. weather, So many things can happen. You may just weather. not feel like riding as far also. That
0: can happen Exactly. Too. Yeah. You know, weather I found to be the biggest, um, you know, if you're up against a huge headwind, as you were, Mel, I think it every day you're out there. <laughs> every day, every day. It, it, you just can't go the same pace, right? You, so sometimes you just have to um, – I'm just reading a book by Brad Stolberg right now, uh, The Master of Change, and his key term is rugged flexibility, so oh, I just, love that. I, it's so term. great because I think intuitively that's what we're all doing, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're trying to stick to the best of our ability, you know, to be resilient. But if you're inflexible, you're you're not going to go anywhere. You're just going to implode. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you can't be so
1: rigid in in your ways. So how four thousand kilometers from Lake Louise to Guelph and. You were like early twenties at this point. How long did that take you? like or how long did you plan to to ride
0: over? Um, I didn't plan, but I think it took me nineteen days of cycling um and it was funny because uh, the Guelph newspaper wrote a story about me, and the reporter, obviously without a lot of cycling background, reported that I had done it in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> And my friends Robin Todd, superhuman. <laughs> <I know. laughs> my friend's father said to me, Not even with a rocket up your ass could you have done it that quickly. I, no, no, for many reasons not. Um, so that one I think I aimed. I don't think I remember aiming for a certain mileage per day. I was things were dictated by where campgrounds were. And I think I stayed in a few motels then. But I had um bike shorts from a bike shop in Banff, and of course. There was so little equipment for women then, and most of it was pink and, ho- I, mean, I mean, it was sort of um, an afterthought. And I had cotton t-shirts. That's, I mean, that's all I wore at that point. I No wonder I was hot. I remember going through a heat wave <laughs> in the prairies. I would ride, as soon as it got any daylight at all, I would ride until about 11 or 12 when the heat was too much. I can remember lying on this picnic table at some uh, parking spot, and these people came up to me and gave me a ginger ale. Oh. And it was just, like, so, so unbelievable, except, you know, I was probably so dehydrated, I had all that sugar and then just felt revolting. But it was still a very <laughs> nice gesture. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. I, at, oh, I didn't have clipless petals, and they didn't have them, so I had... um. I think they were they were Nike shoes, but they had a steel shank in them so that your feet didn't get numb. Yeah. And I had toe clips at that point, And a big foam helmet that looked like a mushroom on my head. <laughs> and i I'll tell you, that was the first time I wore a helmet. And I look back. To, I don't doubt you know, it. Early pictures of me in the 80s, and I had the bandana rolled up mm. across the across, brow. Yeah. So um. hip. So hip. I still think I may be the only. <laughs> I still think I looked good at that point. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Those were. The I things.
1: bet you did. I'd love to see a photo of that. That's. I will send you one, Mel.
0: Oh my God! Yes, I yes. do.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? Th- and this is so probably so naive, based, but I'm curious. Like, what was it like planning a trip without a cell phone? And I mean, that was just life then, right? You didn't yes. have yes. internet on the go. Yeah. But how did how
0: did you problem solve and and go through each day? I think it's interesting because you can't conceive of it without a cell phone. But not having that at the time, um I I didn't worry about it. I just I made sure I got to these campsites. There were enough campsites at the time and andor motels or little um cottages. And there were probably more at that time because a lot of closed down because more people fly now than drive. Um and so I noticed that when I went across the country two years ago in northern Ontario, a lot of places had closed down. There just it isn't the business. Um, and then my at night I would call my. The deal was I would call my mother collect, and she would reject the call, and really just to let her know I was fine. But she always took the. She always accepted the call, so that was. Um, but I don't remember it's, yeah, I don't remember feeling lonely or scared. I had no issues on the road. I didn't have any creepy person slowing down or. Yeah. How old were you
2: in your early 20s? Yeah, I was 23. 23.
0: 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Wow. And so was that the, like, my knowledge of, of you is that you've ridden across Canada a couple times. So would you call that, like, the first time you rode across yes. the country or you went. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So 1988. Then- So then you did it again after you retired. Mm -hmm. But this time, I think you went from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast,
0: right? Or Or did you go West to East? I went always, yeah, I went Vancouver to Cape Breton. I think with the prevalent winds, I would never want to go East to West. Yeah, that's that's fair. And when I met, um, I think this was back in the 80s, I, I met two gentlemen who were good friends or had been good friends. And one of them wanted to go West to East. And the other one wanted to go east to west, and he won the. And so they were cycling, and they were day. There were days when I had huge tailwinds, and mm. they were heading into these winds all day long. And they were the grumpiest two men I've ever met. <laughs> but yes, I and, mean I can
1: relate. Oh. The headwind is, it, I mean, at a certain point, it actually just becomes kind of cathartic,
0: but. If you're annoyed, then it'll just grind you into the ground. Yes. I was thinking that because I had one um, in North Dakota this summer, a couple of days of headwinds. And I thought you you have to lean into it because your (laughs) resistance to it is half the battle, isn't it? it? It's what makes it because you're not only fighting the wind, you're fighting your own frustration or anger at it. Yeah. So yes, in 2021 I retired in 2020 just when we went to remote teaching. And um I hadn't been riding a lot. I had done Ironman a couple of Ironmans 2008, 2009, really got into triathlon. And then after that I I found I just got tired of my road bike. There's increasing traffic. Um and I was living out in the country at the time. Um and the roads were getting busier. And then I had a friend who had bought a gravel bike, and she said oh, it's so much fun. And so I thought, I'm I'm going to treat myself. My retirement gift is going to be a gravel bike. And I immediately felt like a child again mm. on the bike, not in a, mm-hmm. a bad way. Just yeah. it brought back all the joy of riding. Mm. That I was on dirt mm-hmm. roads, single track. I could just go wherever I wanted and mm-hmm. and feel safe. And mm-hmm. um yeah, playful again, I think.
2: Yeah, so no that's what
0: sparked the um and then I was riding out in Cape Breton that summer. My partner has a place out in Cape Breton and I was doing the Cabot Trail, mm-hmm. which is not actually a trail, it's the road around it. And um she was can't we would meet each night. And I just remember this moment when I was up over, I was looking out over the water, and I thought, I love doing this. I had just enough stuff with me for the day. But I thought this is what I love that idea of going out on your own and you have you're self-contained and there's a sense of journey and um uh, so then I thought i wonder I wonder if I can do this again and that's when I decided I never say anything until I'm absolutely sure of the plan mm. or I don't i I, I didn't ever want to be like those waiters out west who would talk on and on about something mm-hmm. and never do it and then never do it right yeah. so I just kept feel. I don't know how you two make your decisions but I kept thinking in my head can I do it you know until it felt right and then I thought yes I can do it I have a friend who lives on Maine Island out west and I thought I could she kept saying to me come and visit so I thought I'll go out fly out to Victoria visit her and then I'm gonna ride to Cape Breton Wow, you said something earlier,
2: and you kind of just again touched on it. And I think that this is very, for me, this is super interesting. You you said you didn't really have any fear, especially when you were younger when you did that first tour. How it how did you not have fear? I people ask mm-hmm. me this question, and I never really know the answer. I I don't know. If for me, it's because I grew up with brothers. Uh, I'm a rough and tough kind of person, but. I don't know how I don't have fear, but I I like to ask and know how other people feel. Like, what for you, did you always feel that way ever since you grew up? Or is it something that you developed because you were felt self-sufficient on the bike?
0: Um, That's a great question. And I sort of feel the same as you, Cynthia. I'm not sure. Um, My mom will recount a time we were out in Prince Edward Island, little island out east. And, um, my parents had rented a farmhouse and we'd gone picking raspberries that day. And I decided after dinner, I was under 10. I don't know how old I was. I just thought, I want raspberries. I'm going to walk down to that farm or the berry patch. It was a mile away or two miles. I don't know. And I just marched on down there. Um, and I, I didn't think about it. I didn't think at all about being afraid. Um, And it's not to say, I remember the day I started out from Lake Louise and I thought in my head, how am I going to ride 3,700 kilometers? That's crazy. And then I thought I can ride to Calgary, which was, I don't know how many hundred, k." And I've always, always tried to reframe things that way, you know, in, in small pieces, the same with Iron Man or the same with teaching a year Like you, you said at the beginning of the, of the year and you think, Oh my gosh, I, I'm not ready to teach Hamlet. And I think, well, Hamlet's, you know, three <laughs> months away. Mm. So, but yeah. I think even as a, a kid, I would wander around Guelph um, often with my best friend, Kieran, and we would get into all kinds of trouble. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember being afraid. Um I don't think it's not having a sense of danger because I, def- there, I definitely have strong limits. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm going down a steep gravel hill, I'm going to have my hands on the brakes. Like I, I'm not fearless. Mm-hmm. I
2: guess those are two sort two I, two different types of danger, though the fear of of harm to yourself from the bicycle or mm-hmm. the fear of the world. Harming you, um, I mean, I think we, I think everybody experiences the fear of the bicycle and being harmed on the bicycle. I don't think you can avoid that unless you're like twelve. I don't know. I literally, while <laughs> I've been here in Bentonville I saw these two kids <laughs> on e-bikes just send it off these like double jumps, like twelve feet in the air, and I'm like, you have no idea, no fear, no yeah. fear what could happen if you were t- twenty years older, um, but. But yeah, the, the fear of the world, I think, is it, you know, I, it's a, it's a thing I actually wonder a lot about. And like, we're, Mel and I are going to race in Morocco in February and do Atlas mountain race. And I've had conversations with a bunch of different people, different women who've raced it, um, you know, ask them this question. My parents are over here, like, we don't think you should go and, um, love my parents. They just, Meanwhile, I've recruited my mom to come. I know. Oh, yeah, I told my perfect. mom that. I, <laughs> I was like, mom, Mel's mom is going to be there at the end. So
1: <laughs> honestly, my mom will probably be there like in time for, I hope it times out that she gets to be at your finish. That would be, that super would be cool. really cool. Would be she really would special. lose her mind. But yeah, I mean, the com- I, I know what you're getting at, Cynthia, Of like the comfort and confidence to travel as a woman solo. And I think like, I mean, in the case of Morocco, and even in the case of like, when I rode from Vancouver down to the States, is like, you have to, for me to be comfortable and confident, I need to kind of have like rose colored glasses on and that the belief that nobody is out there to hurt me, even though there are plenty of, you know, you hear about horrible things on the news, but you, I don't think that you can travel with that lens there's safety precautions that you have in your back pocket so you know how to navigate situations but oftentimes it's our like preconceived judgment yes yeah. that that gives us that that fear or that that discomfort so like you know believing the best in people oftentimes is is how i i cope and then you don't really see as many bad things happen cuz you're going into it with a specific lens but then on the flip side if you were to go into things you know nervous and stressed out and fearful of what people were going to do or say, you'd probably see and identify more. More things. Yeah. yeah.
2: That would fall in line with that. I think also uh, your support system growing up is a huge reason why you may have fear of the world. I know people who You know, parents were that way um, and they are that way now and that their kids will be that way. And it's it's just it's it's who you're surrounded by, how you learn things. Um, you know, all, all of that, I think, plays into it. Just an interesting thought that, you know, here we are, three independent women going out and doing big shit, <laughs> not
0: being scared mm-hmm. or being scared, but still doing it anyway. But still doing um, it. I think part yeah. of it, too, is I've always... Loved my own space. I, mm. I, when I was in Lake Louise, a couple of guys, uh, different at different points, were interested in riding with me, and I would ride with them, and inevitably they'd want to turn back or they'd be going slower, and uh, that was irritating. And also <laughs> sharing your consciousness with someone else sometimes I don't I don't love I love the the mental mm-hmm. space. Just to be, well,
1: because you're so. You're so vulnerable or so like there's moments of vulnerability on these on these big rides. And mm-hmm. there's also just moments of clarity and you mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to like those are pretty intimate moments. And unless someone is in the exact same headspace or like adjacent headspace to you, it can be really hard to share space. Yes.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love writing about that. I, I a perfect day would be ride. Have that experience and write about it and share it on my blog, or like I love I'm, shaping that, but yeah, but if someone'm
1: mind blown that you write at the end of every day after riding hundreds of kilometers, <laughs> you spend time and sit down and write, not just like a
0: brain dump, like a gorgeous recount of your day. sometimes I wouldn't do it until the next morning if I was really tired um. <laughs> <laughs> but to me that was a really good balance to the cycling, to the physical um and I and I find that keeps me from being lonely because that was um, and I didn't have that in 1988 that was a, I think another really good emotional outlet because people would respond I got really nice responses to the blog um it's often people who didn't ride at all but who could relate to something that I had been talking about and that to me was, that just filled me up. That was so, um, uh, meaningful to have someone else say, I, I see you, I, I hear what you're doing and this is how I could relate to it.
2: Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that the people share stories like we're doing here, like you share on, on your blog or, you know, articles that it is very important for these things to be out in the open, because a lot of people are having similar feelings and, it, you know, depending on what it is, if we can normalize it or, yes. you know, encourage others by saying, you know what? Yeah, we're scared. We, we, we might have a little bit of fear or like we have these thoughts, but we're still going out and doing it or. Um, you know, we had this exciting experience and I met this random person today and, you know, we're best friends now or what, whatever it might be. But sharing stories and sharing what whatever medium you choose to do that on, I think, is super important. Actually, I read this amazing um, picture book. I started reading it. I've got to get the name of it. But yeah, this woman, she wrote similar kind of situation. Robin was just like, I want to go from point A to point B. I think she was like in college, wanted to ride home. And so she she did a like picture book graphic of her story oh, from point so A to awesome. point B. And it's super cool. Yeah, I'll I'll get the um. We'll put that in the show notes for anybody who's interested. But um, yeah, sharing stories is is super important and fun for everybody.
0: I think what you said about normalizing it too, Cynthia, and um making it less intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I think. Uh, and Mel, your post recently talking about, you know, when you went from your rowing and the weight control you had to deal with and finding a healthier body weight for you. I, I, I can't even imagine how many women read that and were felt supported and felt, I'm not alone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know it Jenny is
1: wild when you. Sorry, go ahead, Robin.
0: Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I know Jenny Tuff has written and Emily Chappelle, they've both written extensively about body image and their challenges. And uh, both, for both, reading both of them, I thought, oh my goodness, here are two really high level cyclists going through this.
1: Yeah, it's so, it's so important that, like, you often see these people on social media or at the top of their game and, I think historically have always just been these shiny, impenetrable figures. And now like there's such a moment for vulnerability and being who you are, which is really wonderful and creating more space. And like the thing that I think Cynthia and I've said this a number of times on the podcast and just just in general, like thinking about sport and life, like if you can't see it, you can't be it. And I have no doubt that there are other, you know, women who are 40 plus, 50 plus who have desire to go and do things, but it's not what, like, that's not what's in the media. You know, you see people in their 20s, 30s at, you know, and we don't get to hear those other stories. So that that's where, you know, my gratitude for this conversation comes into you, Robin, and just that, you know, you're doing things and really grateful to give you the platform to share about that, because I think someone will probably hear it and be inspired to go do their own thing.
0: No, it's a great, it's a great way of putting it. If you can't see it, you can't be it. It is. I must have had, uh, maybe it was the early ride across America. Um, so I had that notion of, you know, female athletes and there were other athletes, but, and I think I just, sometimes you, you can't wait until you believe something's possible. You just have to start. Yeah. And belief will follow. You're, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. and I'm like, what? when I think you you
1: said, I don't know how you make your decisions, and I was immediately going to spit out impulsively, impulsively. Yeah. <laughs> and I, either one of us gets yeah. an idea, and we're just like, this is the thing I'm going to do. Yeah, but immediately tell the other
0: person. You're probably feeling in, inside something clicks inside before you articulate it. I really believe that. Like, I I don't. I get impulses but I think they feel right like I I don't want to set out on something if it feels not good right so and and you sort of parse out what is sort of healthy fear and and um you know what is a sense of danger
2: I think when it comes to like healthy fear or, you know, people will always say before any race, I mean, we've all, we've all done all kinds of different athletics is that if you, if you aren't nervous, you don't care, which uh, not always the the case, but like when I, I, when I'm showing up to a a 75 mile or hundred K gravel race, I'm like, I don't have any nerves right now because I don't care enough. It's not my it's not what I, I mean, I still love racing my bike, so it's fun, but yeah, I have no fear or, or stress or worry or whatever for it. Whereas when I line up for a, you know, a gravel, uh, ultra, I'm, there's a lot of nerves there. Uh, and (laughs) you know, they're there for sure. And they don't go away until the start happens and then they fleet away. But yeah, if you, if you don't have the passion or the desire and you don't, quote-unquote care that's I think when you when you may see that you don't have those feelings but yeah when you feel that funny feeling in your stomach you're like I feel really nervous (laughs) this is really Mm -hmm. big deal did you feel that way when you when you did your
0: first big ride did it feel overwhelming I I think so or I remember um I think I remember somebody asking me where I was riding to and um (laughs) that's always the best question (laughs) And when I said Ontario, I was really overwhelmed by it, and mm-hmm. then so that's when I started just breaking it down. And once I had yeah. that in my head, I would do that every day. I wouldn't mm-hmm. think. Um, yeah, wouldn't that's think how I when I'm people. racing, I break it up
2: too. I do like I'm one fourth in, I'm halfway in, I'm one third in. You know, like I'm always like continually making it into smaller or bigger chunks depending on how long. it, You know, right? I'm and what you? I'm I'm halfway. Yeah. This is amazing. Or I'm two thirds.
0: Yeah. Yeah and i find that you do what your brain what works for your brain you know you mm-hmm. try different things and and what what is um conceivable and and what you can manage
2: mm-hmm. and
0: and that um it's funny i think uh this trip through the states i learn more about myself in terms of resilience and what works like what can get you out of a bad place mentally and and things mm-hmm. like that and i think it's you're always trying different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm curious, can you share more about it? And maybe it may be maybe too personal, but I'm curious like what what are your tools for being more resilient? And like what was that specific thing that you learned this past summer?
0: Okay, sure. Um, one is uh my go to is if I'm feeling down, list 10 things that I'm grateful for. Oh, I like that. And and usually I don't get past the first one, which is I'm doing this by choice and I have the incredible privilege of being out here. And I I felt that particularly this um, summer and going across the states because I met a lot of people who were work, who were probably 10 years older than me or more still working. And mm-hmm. I have the privilege of being retired and working in jobs that that were really demanding for them, that were physically demanding. And, um, I was really struck by that. And that made me feel, I just saw my privilege that much more. And just the luck of finding, um, the good bike that I have, the Santa Cruz Stigmata, that was just a fluke that the guys at the bike shop didn't have any Da Vinci hatchets. So I said, Oh, I'll try this one. Um, and you know, the good fortune to have family and friends who love me and support me on the ride. So usually I get through my top 10 list really fast and keep going. And, but I, I will do that if I'm heading into the worst wind, I'll think even in my head, if I'm mad, I'll think, okay, what are 10 things you are grateful for? (laughs) Go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's so funny how Gratitude, like it just reframes everything for you. Mm -hmm. Um and in those moments where like things could potentially really suck and you're just like, wait, this is a choice. This is yeah, this is a privilege. And it immediately is so humbling and and
0: grounding. Mm -hmm. So humbling, so grounding. And it's I just saw something recently that what is the key to happiness? It's gratitude. And that just is so intuitive, right? It just makes so much sense. Um, I'm curious has, I mean, obviously,
1: sorry, I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but I'm curious if you can share how your experience cycling, bike touring, bike packing, how that has changed as you've aged. And, and on the flip side of that, like, how can we create more space for women, you know, who are 50 plus in the cycling community?
0: Um, in terms of cycling changing or how I feel, I think one of the things I love the most is that I feel the same on the bike. I can still tap into that person uh, who got her first bike when I think I was 10 or 12. I used to, even when I had a three-wheeler, I can remember I loved watching kids on two-wheelers and I thought that was so cool. And I can remember trying to, (laughs) I would tip my bike so that i i had one of the like, when i had my three-wheeler one of the wheels would be off the ground mm. so i was really on a two-wheeler of some <laughs> kind so okay. that early joy and um sense of autonomy has not changed and that sense of playfulness has not changed i th- i think i'm stronger physically and mentally when i did the second ride and particularly because i was coming across the rockies um My one fear was, what if i 'm not strong enough? What if i can 't mm-hmm. get up you know these mm-hmm. bigger climbs and um And I certainly met men who told me i couldn 't i uh, you know oh you 're not get it was Kootenay Pass, and I think it was it's twelve hundred meters long and eight percent and nine percent grade. And I remember worrying about the 9% and I kept waiting to get to that point on the hill where it would be a big looming sign saying 9% grade um, and <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to get up it. And I just thought, okay, what's the worst case scenario? I have to walk the bike for a while. Okay, that would be a bad case scenario. But um, <laughs> And I never, you know, I got to the top and the sign had never come or, I mean, I'd obviously been riding up 9% grades so- without a sign. And, um, so I think getting over those, um, challenges really made me feel a lot stronger. Um, once you're through the Rockies, you know, you think, okay, I went up that pass and it took me, I don't know, an hour and a half or whatever to ride all those, all those challenging moments, whatever they are, they're like, they come touchstones later on, don't they? You think I did this, or I did that, yeah. or, you know, for you, Mel, you slept in a, I don't know, convert, con, whatever (laughs) those are, culverts in the pouring rain. I mean, those become those moments that you go back to and you think, if I can do that, I can do anything. Um, as for getting more women, I, I think if we had more women in bike shops or the more we have women in bike Mm -hmm. shops and particularly, um, it would be nice to see women over 30 in bike shops. I think having, Mm -hmm. having workshops, um, helping women with their bikes, showing women, um, you know, how to fix a flat, for example, those things that are intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I think having group rides led by women, it it is an, it can be an intimidating sport. I certainly faced, um, lots of sexism. Uh, -hmm. and I think I, you know, you still do on occasion. I still find it so irritating when men ride by and don't even say hello. Mm. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just offensive. Here we are, mm-hmm. two human beings on the planet together in this small space for this, just say hello. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. I'll sometimes yep.
0: shout after them. Good morning. And it's nice to say good morning.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's
0: <laughs> right. Or I'll try and catch up it. and just gut it out, gut it out, <laughs> <and> stay <laughs> with them. Um, yeah. They're usually middle-aged or older men, right? Um, anyway, I, it, so there's definitely lots of sexism out there and I understand why it is intimidating for women. Um, and then I think you just have to be a pugilist. You have to, <laughs> I think I've always been a fighter. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I just, uh, I'm always willing to, to stand up to that challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I understand that that level of intimidation, I'm sure you too have, have experienced it oh. or witnessed it.
2: I think you've had probably your fair share way more than we have. We are lucky for people like you who paved the way for us. I think, yeah, I, I, I mean, when I experience any sort of little bit, I get so angry about it because <laughs> I'm like, don't you dare do that, or don't call me honey, or I don't need you to push me on the bike, or you know, all the things. Um, exactly, but I am sure you experienced more than we'll ever experience combined for our whole lives and in the first 20 years of riding bikes um yeah I definitely I get irritated (laughs) um yeah and I think (laughs) it's just it's it is so
1: important to say something or to challenge someone's Mm -hmm. belief in a respectful and healthy way I mean Mm -hmm. I can think of instances where offhand comments have been made to me and I'm just like well why do you think that Mm -hmm. what why why is that your default setting? And people are often perplexed that you've asked that. But when you frame it like just why, it it does help and stop them help them to stop and think. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, why why is that my
2: default belief? Yeah, yeah. When Mel, didn't you have a recent situation where somebody somebody like didn't believe that you could get to the next aid station by a, a no, certain time? No, so. So,
1: well, I have two stories and neither of them are particularly wonderful. Um, but but no, this past summer, I was doing an ultra in the Rockies and there were two distances. There was a 500 kilometer and a mm. 700 kilometer. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was racing the seven and I was actually the only woman in the seven. So I was pretty like pretty bummed about that. But the first resupply point was, I don't know, a couple hundred Kilometers are like 150k in, and I really wanted to keep my stop time low. So I got to the resupply, I set a timer for 20 minutes just to keep myself accountable. Otherwise, you get sucked into the floor. So I set the timer, I went into the shop, I came out, and this one fellow was like, Oh, you must be doing the 500. And I looked at him and I said, No, I'm doing the seven. And he was like, What? Really? And I'm like, oh, in my head, I'm thinking, fuck this guy. He assumed I was doing the five because of my flipping ponytail. Like, come on. He's like, what's your plan for the day? And I was like, well, (sighs) you know, I'm going to ride until I'm going to ride until I don't want to ride anymore. Maybe midnight, maybe two. I don't know. Like, I'm just going to see where the day gets me. And he goes, oh, well, if a little lady like (sighs) you can keep going, I'm like, you've just inspired me to keep going. And I was like, are you
2: kidding me? I' don't, I couldn't have replied because I would have been uh, so angry how I didn't how say old anything? would he have been
1: how like forties uh like forties yeah, and it was funny though because the other guys standing around him were quite shocked by just like you know there was nothing that was directly said to me, but it was all in the undertones mm-hmm, right and mm-hmm. so I, I it was. Hilarious. I ended up riding the next day. I came across this fellow and we ended up sharing some time together and I told him this story and he's like, fuck that guy. Yeah, he doesn't know a strong woman when he sees one. Uh, he just can't handle it. He's like, Yeah, you have to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> and and he he was just so great because he's like, you know, I grew up with really strong sisters and a really strong mother mm. and he's like you know some people just haven't had that same exposure and yeah valid point yeah 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 and it's just I think it's continuous work moving the needle and not you know when the situation is safe to do so not being afraid to just push back a little bit and say no you know what I I am here to occupy space and I am here to do the thing instead of just the assumption that you know you're not
0: yes and I think the way you raced is the is the strongest statement you can make, right? Just by doing what we do, just by riding. I had um, back in 88 when I was finishing the ride and um, I was actually at this little market in Fergus, which is about 35K from home because my dad had booked the Guelph Mercury reporter to come and interview me. So I called, (sighs) said I was, and he said, can you hold up? (laughs) So I'm, you know, this is 21 days on the road and now I'm cooling my jets in the market. (laughs) Anyway, so two guys ride up and they had ridden from Toronto, which let's say 100k, I don't know what, and they're all spiffed up and sparked up and they are so into themselves. They are so pleased with (laughs) themselves and I can hear them talking about doing this ride. And so they come over and I could not help myself. They said, "Well, well, where are you riding from? And I said, Lake Louise. Now, I had not ridden from Lake Louise that morning, but I just, I thought, I, I would generally not do that. I would have said Stainer or wherever it was the night before, but I thought, you know what? Enough. And so mm-hmm. the looks on their faces, it filled me with joy. Absolute oh. joy. So a face it,
2: you'll remember, that joy you'll remember forever. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> but I do think the mm. best thing we can do, the most effective thing we can do in terms of shifting people's attitudes and in terms of, um, encouraging other women is just to be doing what we do, getting mm-hmm. out there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just, as examples, um, Joan Swain's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, campaign has been amazing and just getting more visibility. We are a big market. So mm-hmm. market to us, use us as, um, yeah, you know, and, and becoming uh, ambassador for Velocio was huge in that, uh, mm, for that. It's amazing. Yeah, for that reason. And that that was sort of fluky. I had uh, ordered some some uh, kit, and what drew me to the brand was that the d- varied sizes of models and models mm. from all works, walks of life. So I thought this isn't just white middle class people, uh, straight guys. And, um, but my product didn't show up. So I was back and forth emailing with Patrick, who is in, in the customer service at mm-hmm. that time. And we mm-hmm. got to emailing and I told him I was, uh, had this upcoming trip across Canada. And then I just thought as a lark, I said, so if you're ever looking for queer middle age representation, North of the border, I'm your person. And he said, <gasps> oh. you know, send us a resume, send us a proposal. Mm-hmm. And so I did, you know, an endurance sport resume and and that's how it that's how I became an ambassador. And it's just been such a it's just been amazing being part of this larger community.
2: Yeah,
1: I love that you put yourself out there and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to shoot my shot and see where it
2: lands. I think Mel and I have this conversation all the time where like, I'm just going to do it or or like, should I try this? I don't know. Then, you know, the other person is like, you just
0: have to do it. You know, you just you then what's the worst they can say? No. And that's what I thought. And I would rarely do that. And I'm, I'm so glad I did. And I think I really encourage more people to because, as you say, what's the worst case? I mean, it's hard to be rejected, but. You know, we can't become part of these larger communities un- unless we take some risks. Yeah. And as you find out when you see other people's posts and hear their voices and narratives, we're all living with the same fears right of that we're we're not good enough we're not enough wh- whatever and um and I really think we can draw strength from each other that way totally I am curious you
2: kind of gave some tips or like some ideas already but Mel and I I'm I'm 31 Mel is 27 Twenty-seven.
0: Stop. Stop. So we're both <laughs> <both>. Oh my <laughs> we're goodness! You're, too, to you're two. You're two ages together. You're two oh, ages together. Don't make mine. Well, almost uh, make mine. <laughs> uh, I won't. I promise.
2: Okay. No. Um, okay. I want to know if you could like look back at your thirty-year-old self. Mm. What would you tell yourself? What, whether it's about your profession or sport or you know what the world's gonna you need to tell yourself to buy bitcoin yeah. when it first comes out like what would you tell yourself
0: <laughs> i love that um buy buy google buy apple yeah buy um, buy google shares <laughs> uh a couple things one is stop worrying about what other people are thinking of you mm. that's my mm-hmm. ongoing advice that's advice to my 58 year old self too um it, don't worry about the unsolicited advice. This is what I found through running, through triathlon, through everyone has something to tell you. And um, they have a way of framing it too, is like what you have to do is, what you need to know is. Um, even more recently, riding tubeless or with tubes. You know, everyone has an opinion. And you can everyone get your... Everyone has an- oh, You can get yourself – I got myself in such a lather. And then I Mm. just had to go back to what I knew. I thought, uncomfortable changing attire with tubes. I've done both, Um, but for my longer trips, I went with tubes, right, because I could – and I thought, it doesn't matter what other people are doing, right? So I I would – I wish my 30-year-old self had a little more um, confidence that way. And I would also say to my 30-year-old self and 58-year-old self – you're good enough as you are. You are enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I think that is the biggest, if you could fill yourself with that belief, right? Each day, then, you know, you'll float through life. So those are the big things. You're good enough.
2: Okay. Now what are, what, what are you going to tell your 90 year old self?
0: Oh, stake old pony. <laughs> <Stay> <laughs> old. Do you remember that line? From the Outsiders, S-E Hinton. Oh, yes, yes, okay. yes. Thank you, Mel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, George Bernard Shaw said, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Mm. And so I would think I Love would it. just tell that nine-year-old said, like, just keep playing in keep whatever playing. that looks mm-hmm. like. I might be back to a, a tricycle, right? But it'll mm. be a cooler one. Um, <laughs> I think... Playful attitude. Don't take yourself too seriously.
2: Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. get
0: too weighed down by your own self or your worries. I love the literary quotes. It
1: definitely nods <laughs> nods to your background and <laughs> mm-hmm. you know the the creativity in the writing. And what an uplifting message to kind of cap things off. Yeah. Um so do you have any upcoming adventures that you want to share
0: about or anything planned uh, in the near I, future? I haven't formulated anything. I definitely have, and I'm sure you both have that, that sense of <laughs> desire to be packing once again, planning mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. back on the road. Even this weekend, I had two good days of um, long bike rides because the wind sort of abated and... Mm-hmm. Um, I just went out thinking you know, I'll I'll see how it goes, and ended up you know seven or eight hours one day, and you know six hours yesterday. Amazing. Um, nice. there's good bakeries in this area. If either of you are in this area, I will take you to the bakeries. Okay. Um, next time I, can... I
1: visit my mom, I will definitely take you up on that.
0: Absolutely. Um, so I think I, I haven't got any for, There's so many places that I would like to go mm-hmm. back to. Um, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by both your cycling and your racing experiences. And I'm not sure I'd try a gravel bike race. If I did, it would be a longer one for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it was more about the journey and and just finishing. And I love the journey.
1: <laughs> it's so funny when it's over and you're looking back
0: and it all
1: kind of just mushes together. But at the same time, you can... Those like moments of just pinpointing yourself to like an exact, what felt like so small at the time, but was actually so significant uh, in terms of moments and reflections is, yeah, you definitely, I feel like I'm lusting after getting, (laughs) being on the road after talking about it so much.
2: Same,
0: same, same, always. (laughs) It's funny how you can be in a moment and you don't know it's going to be so significant. And then it crystallizes. Yes, And you come back to yeah. that moment so often mm-hmm. for for whatever reasons.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, we have a few uh, this or that questions to kind of cap things off. Okay. Um, we haven't talked about it at all. And I think I see in your photos, you're normally wearing headphones, but are you a music or no music person I, when um, you're on your trips?
0: I was wearing those headphones a lot just to muffle, not totally block out but to muffle wind and traffic mm, yeah i find the mm-hmm, sounds yep. of traffic quite um uh exhausting uh, mm-hmm, i yep. do like me i find it's funny because if the, if i have a headwind i can't really hear and the and then the music is just one more, more irritant but then if mm-hmm. i have a tailwind i love having music and then it's sort of the perfect you got a tailwind you got music you're your own little disco party
2: mhm <laughs> i love that love it Disco. uh would you say i mean you've experienced both but bike packing with a cell phone or bike packing without a cell phone now that
0: you've had it now that i've had it i would definitely take it definitely want yeah.
2: one mm-hmm. yeah. easier yeah, to find like you the don't bagaries. know what you don't have oh
1: easier to find the yes bagaries, right yes that's what that's what i was thinking is like the resupply Element, mm. like you'd really just have to go with whatever you know you see a sign for or yeah. whatever you knew existed instead right. of like. I find that when I, on my most recent trip, like you, I find myself scouring Google Maps for the perfect thing. Yes. When yes. really often the perfect thing in that moment is that first like, you know, diner that you run across or whatever. And so as the trip went on, I was like, okay, you know what? Like, stop scouring Google Maps. Just. <laughs> Go to the first one that looks appetizing. That's it. Like, because otherwise you just waste time. Yes, you can get Mm -hmm. a bit spoiled, can't you? So much wasting of
2: time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Do you prefer wild camping
0: or like a nice bed and breakfast or motel? I think camping actually, as much as I didn't camp a lot this last trip, um, Mm -hmm. I hate rolling into a motel where the smell is like it's musty or it's... Mm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your own, your own tent is always going to be, feel most like home, Mm -hmm. but then the joy of rolling into a motel and there's your bike and it's done, all you have to do is clean the chain and that's your one Mm -hmm. chore for the night versus- And you get to take a shower. (laughs) Yes. Versus setting up camp. And so I have to say rolling into a motel is pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. It It is is. such a treat. Isn't it? It It's such a treat. Such a treat.
2: Well, I, that's well, all the this or that that we have. And thank you so much for being here and being open and sharing your stories with us. I think um, people want to hear these stories. And I really enjoyed hearing about your experiences because um, it's very, you know, it's rare that we talk to people who have been. Riding bikes and bike packing before it was called
0: bike packing. When it was called <laughs> bike before touring. you were born. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> I love meeting both of you, and I've been following you both. So to hear about your stories and and share mm-hmm. notes and be part of this community is, um, it's a blast. It's more than I had hoped for or could have imagined, you know, thirty or forty years ago. Yeah, it's only What an better. inspiring
1: uplifting I know we always say this is uh as women the best part about being an endurance cyclist is you just get better as you get older
0: absolutely um,
1: so i'm actually like i don't know society preconditions you to be afraid of aging but i'm kind of like oh i'm i i mean don't 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 Fire speed me. it up but i'm saying like <laughs> i'm ready to like i'm okay with getting older because yeah. i'm just going to get better at my sport
0: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely yeah
2: yeah, and everything else in life, you become better at riding your bike. You become better at, at your job. It's you just like you continually yeah. are gaining experience. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely.
0: Amazing. Wonderful. Well, thank you
1: so much, everybody. Thank um, you. Robin. Have a great rest thank of your you day. Girl.
0: Thank you. Enjoy. Thank
1: you so much for listening to Detours. If you love this podcast and want us to keep making it, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com detours podcast. You can also leave us a five-star review wherever you listen and be sure to share this episode with friends. You can follow the show on Instagram at detourscycling. You can follow Mel on Instagram at Mel w. Webb, and Cynthia at watt underscore wagon. This show is hosted by Mel Webb and Cynthia Carson editing and audio engineering is done by Mel Webb. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Happy trails!